Well, good morning, church. Pastor Ray here. And right now, I have the great privilege of introducing to you our guest preacher who will be bringing us God's word this morning. His name is Toby Adetehu, and he comes from Hope Bible Church Oakville, which is our planting church. And Toby, along with his wife, Rachel, and their two daughters, Naomi and Joanna, are here with us this morning. And Toby serves as the coordinator of the youth ministry at Hope Oakville. One thing you're going to find out real fast is that he is very passionate about God's word and see the next generation discipled in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are going to be blessed. And so before he comes, let's give him a warm Hope Ottawa welcome. Good morning, church. Good morning, Hope Ottawa. It's a privilege to be with you this morning. My wife, Rachel, and I have felt so welcome from the very moment we stepped into the auditorium and met your leaders, had a chance to pray with your leaders. And I can say this firsthand, witness, that your leadership loves Jesus Christ and loves to pray. So even just to piggyback off of what Kevin was saying earlier, to join in on that prayer meeting, what a privilege that would be. Well, church, God's word says in Acts chapter 20 that he bought his church. Jesus Christ bought his church with his very own blood, which means, I want you to hear this, you are loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. That this church, Hope Ottawa, is particularly and uniquely loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, by Almighty God. He loves this church so much, which means for me to be here to open up his word to speak to you is the highest privilege. So I want to say thank you again. Thank you for having myself and my wife. You and I both know that anything worth attaining in our lives demands sacrifice. Anything worth having in our lives demands sacrifice. You think about the valedictorian student who you haven't seen in like two years because they've been in their cocoon studying as hard as can be to get those grades. It demands sacrifice, right? We think about our beloved Raptors. Okay, sorry, Kawhi. We're sad that you're leaving, but Just think about it. The glory days are not that far gone, right? They're not that far gone. We just finished. We just reached the playoffs, reached the finals. We've won. But think about what it cost. Think about the sprained ankles, the dislocated fingers, the the gimpy legs, Kawhi. All these things, 16 games of sacrifice, blood, sweat, and tears to reach the finals and win that Larry O.B. trophy. It demands sacrifice to attain anything worthwhile in life. No guts, no glory, no pain, no gain. But did you know that same mentality applies to your Christian life? I don't think it's very often that we think about our Christian life with that same sense of intensity. I don't think we think about our Christian life with that same sense of determination and that same sense of counting the cost and going all in for Jesus, but it's true. To follow Jesus demands an even greater degree of sacrifice, of devotion, more devotion, more dedication than anything else you will ever put your mind to in this life. Following Jesus is that intense. The danger in our culture and the danger in our day is that we've often adopted a mindset of following Christ that is far below that. We've often adopted a mindset of Discipleship that is far beneath the biblical criteria. Often we think what it means to follow Jesus is that 
Jesus has a wonderful plan for my life, which includes no pain, no hurt, no suffering, no bad days. It's all mountaintop experiences. What we've done is we've made the Christian life about us. We've made it centered on us, where we're the star of the show, and God is sort of like on a, on a sitcom, that, that nice neighbor, that nice old neighbor who, if anything gets a little hectic in your life, you go to that neighbor, get some advice, and your life is back to normal. You're the star of the show. God is a supporting cast. He's a supporting role, but it's really about you. That's often how we live our Christian lives. And it's no wonder then that when life does get difficult, when life does get hard, when life does get challenging, many people start to question if this thing is actually real. Many people start to question if this thing is actually true. Many people start to question and, in fact, arrive at a point where they say, you know what, this Christianity stuff isn't cutting it for me. I'm out. But the funny thing is, all this while, a person who's, who arrives at that point has never actually been following Jesus the way he demanded to be followed. They haven't been actually living the life of a Christ follower based on scripture. Because Jesus Christ himself gives the criteria what it means to be a Christ follower. Jesus Christ himself gives and defines what is required to follow him. Matthew chapter 16 verses 24 to 27 is where we're going to be. And we're going to find out that Jesus is going to make it absolutely clear. To follow Jesus will cost you everything. To follow Jesus Christ will cost you and I. It will cost us not just a little bit, not just uh, half of everything, but it will cost us everything. Everything we are, everything we have. But get this, it is so worth it. To follow Jesus will cost me everything, but it's so worth it. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27 is where we're going to be. We have our ushers here, and they have a Bible. If you do not have a Bible, please raise your hand. They will love to get a copy of God's word into your hands. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27 is where we're going to be. Before we jump into God's word, let's take a moment. And let's pray to God and let's ask him for his help as we look at his word. Let's pray. Lord God, we acknowledge right now that we've been created for your glory. We exist for the praise and fame of God. And Lord, we cannot give you the glory that you are due unless we truly understand how costly and how worthy you are of being followed, Jesus Christ. So, God, we beg you by faith, would you open our eyes to see you in the word, Jesus. That as we open up Matthew 16, we would be brought face to face with Jesus. And we would be brought face to face with the high call and high demand of discipleship. And we would reassess our lives. Maybe there are those here today who have thought they were followers of Christ. And yet, Lord, their, their definition of following you has not been what you have said. Lord, open eyes. And then maybe there are those here, Lord, this morning who, who are followers of you and yet who have been distracted. God, call us back to yourself. Bring us back to Jesus. Bring us face to face with the Christ, with the Messiah, that we would again see the high call and the high worth of following Jesus Christ. 
God, thank you that you love this church so much and you have a word this morning for all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, Matthew 16 is where we're going to be. So go ahead, get there in your Bible, Matthew 16, 24 to 27, to bring you up to speed so far. A bit of context in Matthew 16. Jesus in the book of Matthew has just been flexing. Like he's just been going off, healing, doing all sorts of miraculous deeds, showing himself to be the Messiah, showing himself to be the promised one, the king, the king that the entire Old Testament has been pointing to. He comes on the scene powerfully. Just in Matthew chapter 15, he's fed thousands of people. Now in Matthew chapter 16, he's with his disciples, and he has this moment where he questions them. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you think I am? In that moment, Peter, Peter who so often puts his foot in his mouth, receives revelation from God and speaks truth, monumental truth. He confesses and he says on behalf of the other disciples, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In that moment, Peter saying that Jesus is the Christ, he's saying that he is the promised one. He is the hero of the entire Bible. He's the one who was destined to come to reunite God's people with God. He said that he was the Christ, the son of the living God, that Jesus Christ was actually deity, that he was not simply a prophet, he was not simply a good moral teacher, but that he was actually God in the flesh. That was monumental. And Jesus tells it to them, you're right, Peter, that is who I am. I bet you're thinking at this moment, wow, the disciples really got it. They really understood. But lest we begin to think the disciples have arrived, they have all knowledge, all understanding. No, 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 no. Just a few verses later, Jesus starts telling his disciples, guys, I am the Christ. I am the son of the living God but I'm going to die. In fact, look at, your, look at your Bible. Look at your Bible, Matthew chapter 16. Let's look at verse 21. That'll give us more context. Look at verse 21. Jesus says, Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. The disciples and the Jewish people at this time would have had an understanding of a Messiah, of a Christ, who would be a conquering king. So when Jesus starts talking about himself having to die, they're like, what are you talking about? No way, this can't happen. In fact, look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Watch this. Verse 22. And Peter took him aside. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Now, there's a lot of things you shouldn't do. And I think rebuking Jesus is one of them. Like, you just shouldn't, you shouldn't, like, go up to the master of the world and say, hey, I think you got that one wrong, Jesus. Come over here. Let me talk to you. That's what Peter does. Like, imagine what the disciples are thinking in that moment. They're probably like, oh, my goodness, John, get the popcorn. What is Jesus about to say to Peter? Let's get ready for this. Watch what it says. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Look at Jesus' response in verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. To Jesus, this wasn't a joke. This wasn't funny. This wasn't simply a mistake on Peter's part. Peter was so self-centered and so self-focused, he was thinking like any natural person that self-preservation is our highest aim. 
No one wants to endure pain. No one wants to endure hardship. No one wants to die. So Peter applies this thing to Jesus and says, no, Jesus, no, no, no. I think you got like, like you had like a bad dream. No, that's not what's going to happen to you. You're going to be safe and sound. You will not die. But the thing is, Peter is so focused on thinking like a man. He's so focused on self that he does not realize that it's the plan of God that Jesus should be crucified. And that him saying, no, 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 you're not going to die is him actually standing in the way of Jesus going to the cross to die for Peter, to die for you, to die for me. And so Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're lining yourself up with the evil one. Your thinking is in line with the evil one because you're focused on yourself rather than man. It's interesting, after saying this, Jesus is going to jump into the first ever discipleship class. He's about to jump into the first ever Christ follower class because he understands, Jesus Christ understands that if Peter has a misconception of who Jesus is, then he has a misconception of what it means to follow Jesus. He has a complete misconception of who Jesus is. Therefore, he would have a misconception of what it meant to walk and follow Jesus Christ. And so Jesus needed now to clarify to Peter and to the first disciples And to the disciples of Hope Ottawa, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? What does it truly demand to follow Jesus? What does Christ require of you and I if we are going to follow him? If you call yourself a Christ follower, what does this truly mean? Look at verse 24. We'll read it. And that will take us to our first point. It's the first half of our big idea. Look at verse 24 with me. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus makes it absolutely clear. You can write this down. This is our first point. To follow Jesus, point number one, will cost me everything. To follow Jesus will cost me everything. Everything, absolutely everything to follow Jesus will cost me everything. Look at verse 24 again. Then Jesus told his disciples, he's about to explain, he's about to drop truth on his disciples. He's about to drop truth on you. I hope you're listening. I hope you're ready to receive the truth of what Jesus Christ is about to say. It's hard, but it's good. Look what he says. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, if anyone's going to follow me, if, If, maybe you're here today, maybe you're a skeptic, maybe you wandered in as a visitor, maybe you've been sitting in these seats for the last few years, you've been hearing all these things, but you're you're at the edge, you're not sure if you really want to jump in, all in with this Jesus person. Hear what Jesus is about to say, because he's about to give us the clear guidelines of what it means to follow him. He first and foremost wants you to count the cost. If you're a Christ follower here today, he wants you likewise to count the cost and truly examine what it means. He says, if you, if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself. Let him deny himself. Now, this self-denial in this verse is not referring to you not eating the third piece of strawberry cream pie at the end of dinner. It's not talking about even reading your Bible for 30 minutes a day. It's not talking about any sort of that self-denial that we think about, which is like self-discipline. No, the self-denial Jesus is referring to in this verse is the type of denial which means you disown your life. It means you disown your life. 
It means you say, no longer do I run my life. No longer does this life belong to me and now belongs to Jesus. I deny myself. I disown my life. I give up the ownership deed of my life and I stop saying that I'm the ruler. I'm the master of my life. I stop saying that and I give my life to Jesus and say, Jesus, it now belongs to you. I have no rights. I have no guarantees of what I want to do. No, it's all given to Jesus. That's what he's saying when he says, deny yourself. Self-agenda, self-purpose, every self-aim, self-leading, self-directing your life, all of it's gone. You disown your life and you give it to Jesus. This is what true Christianity is about. So often people think that Christianity is, you can sprinkle on a little Jesus and go on the way you keep living. Like I think of my wife and I, we were watching that popular show, I'm sure you know it, it's called Dragon's Den, the American version is Shark Tank. And what happens in this show is that entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs who have this great idea, some of them are not that great, some ideas are just not that great, but they go to these dragons, they go to these millionaires, billionaires, people who are business moguls, and they go and pitch their idea to these people saying, hey, I had this like crazy extendo rod thing, you can use it to grab things. This is actually one of the ones that we saw in the episode. This person got so much money. But anyways, it's like, okay, you go to the dragons, you say, hey, I have this awesome idea. I will, I will give you part ownership in my company if you will invest in me. So if you, if you give us, I'll give you 30% of my company for $300,000 and you'll split, we'll split some of the profits. That's how people approach the dragons and that's how people approach Jesus Christ as well. You know that? Often people will come up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to give you my Sundays, and I'm going to give you 10% of my income, and in exchange, I want you to bless my life, and I want you to get me entrance into heaven. And you know what Jesus' response is? No, I want all of it. And then people respond and say, Jesus, I'm not sure you understand how business transactions work you want to take, no, no, how about, okay, how about this? Jesus, I'll give you 50%. I'll give you, I'll give you some, like, 30 minutes in the morning every day. And in exchange, I just want you to bless me. I just want you to, just, just to, to help me. And Jesus says, no, I want all of your life. That's where so many people get caught up. That's where people, so many people get stuck. Because Jesus is not asking for a portion of your life. Jesus is not asking for a section of your life. Jesus is not just asking for your weekends, for your mornings. He's not asking you to be a good person. He's saying, I want your life. I want to own your life. If you will follow me, I must own your life. There is no other option. There is no other criteria. There is no other level of discipleship. It's either all in or all out. This is a high cost of discipleship. And you must realize that Jesus demands all of you. He calls us to disown our lives and to give everything to him. Until you're, willing to dis until you're willing to surrender all of your life to Jesus, you cannot truly be his follower. I encourage you today, look at your life. Is your life totally and completely devoted to Jesus? This is not talking about perfection, but it's talking about a direction. It's talking about an alignment with this will of God, that day by day, increasingly, you're walking in this way, that your life is continually being surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that you? Because if it's not, 
you must examine. Can you truly call yourself a follower of Jesus? This is the first criteria. He doesn't ask for a portion of your life. He asks for all of it. He doesn't want a peace. He wants absolute commitment, absolute surrender. Not half-hearted, but not half-hearted, but total commitment completely. That you stop being the driver of your life. You slip into the back seat and Jesus now takes the wheel. And he's the one. He's the captain of your life. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. The cost is so high. Look what else Jesus says, verse 24 again. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, Jesus' disciples would have known exactly what he was referring to when he said, take up your, your cross, because under Roman rule, Israel under Roman rule would have been very familiar with crucifixion. Under Roman rule, the Roman government would punish criminals, the worst of the worst criminals, they would punish them by nailing them to a cross. When you would see a man walking with their cross. This is, how, this is how crazy it was back then. The Romans would actually force the person who was going to be crucified to carry their own crossbeam to the location where they would be hung and died. So when you would see a man carrying his cross out of the city, out of the town, you knew you would never see that man alive again. You knew you would never see that man living again, ever. That person was going through their demise. That person was going to the most excruciating death. That person was going to die. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross. The modern day equivalent for us would be like saying, you have to take up your electric chair. Or maybe a few hundred years ago, it would be saying like something like, you need to take up your guillotine. Or you need to take, take up your noose and go to the gallows if you want to follow me. That's the equivalent of what Jesus is saying. He says you must take up your cross. To Jesus and his disciples, the cross wasn't a charm. It wasn't an emblem that you wear on a necklace or a bracelet. No, it was an emblem of suffering, an emblem of death, an emblem of execution. Now, we need to be very careful at this moment because many times, many people within the Christian world will be quick to make this a figurative statement. And say that to take up your cross means you just have to endure that difficult spouse at home. Or you need to, you need to endure your difficult boss. And, and it's that health disease or sickness that you're facing. And all of those things are true and real suffering. And yet, that is not specifically what Jesus is talking about in this verse. When he says take up his cross, he's talking specifically about going and walking in line with Jesus as Jesus himself suffered and was persecuted and was led to the cross because of him following God, so the same will be true for any real disciple of Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 10 that a servant is not greater than his master, a student is not greater than his teacher. If they persecuted and attacked and killed the teacher, the master, they will do the same to those who follow him. And so ultimately what Jesus is saying when he says take up his cross, take up your cross, is saying that you must be willing to die to follow Jesus. You must be willing to offer your life literally. Again, think of the context. Think of the context. Jesus is explaining what it means to follow him in light of saying to his disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So he's likewise saying to us, 
as he did to his first disciples, are you willing to pay any price to follow me? Are you willing to pay any price to follow me? Are you willing to give up your very life and die for the sake of following me? There are many believers around the world who this verse is so real to. Brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka where they gather on on Easter day and a bomb goes off, detonating and killing them because of their faith faith in following Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Nigeria, all over the world who are facing literal death for the sake of Jesus Christ. We here in the West, by God's grace, we're fortunate that we have the freedom to meet like this right now. Who knows how long that will last. And yet Jesus is saying to us, though we are not facing that same threat immediately, he asks you, are you willing to pay any price to follow me? Are you willing? Are you truly willing to pay any price to follow me? And yet it does go beyond that. It does go beyond that because we know in Luke 9, a parallel passage to this one, Jesus says there, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so there is a true sense in which Jesus is not just simply talking about martyrdom, in which you die finally, once and for all, you die. But he's saying, day by day, are you willing to die to yourself to follow me? Day by day, are you willing to lay down your own agenda, your own will, your own purposes to follow me? Are you willing to die day by day, facing whatever be the opposition in order to follow me? So maybe it is true for you. The cross that God has called you to bear is the spouse who antagonizes you because you continue to bring your children to worship with God's people on the weekend. Maybe it is in the workplace where your employers and your your fellow colleagues want you to compromise and to do dishonest things in order to get ahead and advance, and yet you refuse. That is a true cross. Maybe for you, if you're a student, you receive opposition from those around you because you won't give in to the same godless lifestyle. That is a true cross. Jesus says, are you willing to pay any price? This is what he demands. The Son of God demands that you be willing to pay any price. And this is true Christianity. This is no joke. This is not anything we're new. This is Jesus speaking. This is the Son of God speaking, determining, and defining for us what it means to follow Christ. And he's making it clear it will cost me everything. It will cost you everything. A quote on the screen for you by a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was alive during Nazi Germany, he said this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Have you ever thought about the call of discipleship in that way? That when Jesus calls you, when he calls you and I to follow him, he's calling us to die. That is the reality of discipleship. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you, examine your life. Is this what you have understood the Christian life to be? Because anything below this, anything subpar from this is not true Christianity. Anything beneath this is not true, authentic Christianity. Jesus has made it clear. And our friend Bonhoeffer is emphasizing even more. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It will cost you everything. If you will truly follow Jesus, it will cost you everything. 
Look now again, verse 24, look what else Jesus says, the last part. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And follow me. Jesus says, and follow me. We know very clearly to follow. We're, we're all familiar with Simon says. Simon says, jump. The question is not if. The question is really how I. You do what whoever commands you to do says, right? Simon says. Jesus says, follow me. The response is, yes, Lord. Jesus says, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. And now he says, follow me. Walk where I walk. Go where I go. Do what I do. Say what I say. Follow me, even if it means you go to Golgotha, you go to Calvary, and you die with me. And yet, does Jesus say this as a drill sergeant says to army cadets, get down and give me 20. And the drills, the, the, the cadets get down and do 20 push-ups because they're afraid of their drill instructor. They're afraid of the person in charge. Is that the same way Jesus approaches his disciples? Is that the same way he approaches you and I? Is that the same way he approaches this church? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ is not some cosmic drill instructor. He's not some cosmic drill sergeant. No, the one who's calling for your everything is the lover of your soul. The one who demands your life, the one who demands that you turn back on your life and follow Jesus is the one who himself did everything he's commanding you and I to do. In the garden, under intense and immense pressure, about to be captured and soon to be crucified, the Son of God prays to his Father and says, ultimately, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus knew what it was to deny himself. The Son of God, taken, ravaged, scourged, and nailed to the cross. People taunting him, the very soldiers who nailed him there, taunting him, saying, come down. Come down from the cross. If you really are the Christ, if you really are the Messiah, come down. Show us yourself. Temptation in that moment to deny and refuse the plan and mission of God to save you and I. And yet Jesus refuses. He does not escape from the cross. He stays to the cross. And he dies on the cross. Jesus Christ, who it was said of the Father, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus at every point of his life following the Father, obeying the Father without question. And now he calls you and I to do the same, to walk as he walked. And yet, brothers and sisters, you must understand, Jesus does not call us to do this in light of us. He's twisting our arms. He's not, he's, not just, he's not just forcing us to do it, something that we don't want to do. No, he's calling us first to realize who he is. He's calling us first to realize who it is that calls you to lay down your life. It is Jesus himself who gave himself for you. Jesus who loves you. All motivation to obedience to Christ must come out of a love for him in return. If you walk away out of this passage, out of this message, thinking you need to try harder, you need to read your Bible more, you need to pray more, that is not the first solution. The first solution is to realize how much Jesus loves you. The first solution is to realize how much Jesus cares for you. The first solution is for you to understand the gulf that was between you and God because of your sin and my sin. The separation that was between you and, and you and God, me and God, because of my sin, your sin. And the extent Jesus went to bridge that gap. You must first recognize 
We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4. We love because he first loved us. What does Jesus say in John chapter 14, verse 15? He says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Church, the response is not to just try harder. If you're thinking for yourself, maybe you're, again, you're a guest, a visitor, you're, you're hearing this maybe for the hundredth time or the first time, the response is not for you now to say, I'm going to be a good person, I'm going to try my best and leave behind my old life. No, the response is to say, I need to see Jesus for who he is, the Savior. Because at the end of the day, he's worth it. The high demand and the high cost of following Jesus, it's so high. It's so high, it demands our very lives. And yet the question really comes down to this, is he worth it? Is Jesus worth it? And if you realize who he truly is, you will say with joy and with willingness, he is worth it. He is worth it. The one who loves me and who gave himself for me, he is worth it. No matter the price, no matter the cost, even if it costs me everything, because it does cost me everything, you'll be able to say he's worth it. Jesus Christ says, if you will come after me, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. You must follow me. Now Jesus is going to spend verses 25 to verse 27 giving three reasons for why it's worth it to follow Jesus. Not only because of who he is, but because of what he's done and what we find in him, in himself. To follow Jesus will cost me everything. But look at verse 25. Look at verse 25. We'll read verse 25 and then we'll get into point number two. Look at verse 25. Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus gives us the first reason under our first, our second point, our second and our last point. To follow Jesus Christ will cost me everything. But it's so worth it. To follow Jesus Christ will cost me everything. Everything. It will cost you everything. But get this, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Look at verse 26. Verse 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Jesus, again, we have to think within the context of the passage, within the context of what Jesus has already said. Again, Jesus has just told us he himself will be killed. He himself will die. The temptation will be like what Peter said. No, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. And that will be the temptation for us as Christ followers, for you as a Christ follower. No, I don't want to lose my life. But Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Jesus says the person who who has the ambition to say, you know what? Jesus, I'm going to do my best to avoid all pain, all suffering, all heartache, and I'm going to try my best to keep myself in well-being and comfort and ease, avoiding all sorrow, which will lead to a person ultimately refusing to follow Jesus. Jesus says that person will ultimately lose their life in the end. That person will ultimately lose their life in the end. But get this, look what he says. Look what he says, what else he says in verse 25. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you see that? I love this. Like this is the paradox of the kingdom of God. This is the upside down kingdom of God. This is where God says, water bottle, it's okay. This is where God says, if you follow me, I'll give you true life. I'll give you true life. 
Because the life you have right now isn't true life. It's not real life. But if, to, if you choose to follow me, that's when you truly get real life. To follow Jesus means I get true life. That's why it's so worth it to follow the Son of God. You receive and obtain true life. The spiritual principle of gaining by losing. Think about it. If you do everything you can to try and keep yourself in this life, to try and preserve your life, to preserve the comfort and ease, not only against pain and suffering and literally dying, but even just by you in your day-to-day life, in the day-to-day walk and practice of your life, trying to avoid the hardship that comes with following Jesus, he says you'll lose it. You'll lose that life. You'll lose your life. In eternity, you'll end up being eternally bankrupt. You'll end up being eternally lost. But then he says, if you choose to deny your life now, to deny yourself now, to to deny yourself and take up your cross now, you will gain everlasting life. You will gain eternal life. This is why Paul could say in Philippians 1, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. Whether he would live, he would be with Jesus, he's living for Jesus. If he died, he wouldn't be separated from God, he would be with God. So death is actually joy for him. It's joy for the true Christ follower because you gain true life in Jesus. You gain real life in Jesus. This is the generosity of our God. True life is found in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have to have that mentality. If you're going to live this Christian life, you need to know true life is ultimately found in Jesus, not in you living day to day doing what you want. It's found in living in humble submission to the Savior. I'm a 90s baby. I grew up in the 90s, and I remember the movie through high school, or through, not high school, through grade school, the movie The Matrix. And the the whole premise of the movie is that people are living in the world, day to day in life, but it's not real life. They're actually all hooked up to some sort of machinery, and the only way you can realize that is if your eyes are open and you come out of this fake life into the matrix and you realize, no, there's a whole opposite other reality than what I thought was the true and real world. That's what it's like to be a Christ follower. Because day to day we live in this world, but we're not of this world. If you're truly a Christ follower, day to day we live in this life, and yet our life is not here. Our life is hidden with Christ. Colossians 3. Our life is not here. Our life is hidden with God on high in Jesus Christ. Your life is not here. Your life is Jesus. Jesus is your life. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Your life is not here, brothers and sisters. Your life is in Jesus, which means you can willingly and joyfully give everything to him, no matter the hardship and the pain that you will face in this life, because ultimately your life is found in Jesus. Ultimately your life is found in Jesus Christ. On the screen for you, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See that? Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, this life I now live on earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life you now live is in Jesus. The life you now have have is in Jesus. The life in Jesus is better than the life lived for yourself. The life lived in Jesus is far greater, far superior, far more fulfilling and satisfying, even in the middle of the pain and the suffering, than the life lived for yourself. It's so worth it. 
to follow Jesus, to have this true life. You gain true life by losing this life now to follow Jesus. It's so hard. It's so difficult. It will cost you everything. But see it there. It's worth it. Look what else Jesus says. He's going to build on what he said in verse 25. Look at verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus is now building the argument to a new level. He says now, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Jesus, in essence, is saying, imagine if by some means, by some way, you became the undisputed emperor, ruler, king, queen of the entire globe. Imagine if you had all the prestige, all the honor, all the riches, whatever car you want, houses beyond measure, fame, notoriety. You had everything you could possibly ever want. Maybe for you, maybe you're a little modest. And you're like, I don't even want the whole world. I just want my version of the world. Maybe for you, it's just, I just want to, I just want to have the new, the new car. I just, I just, I just want to, I want to have that promotion. I've been working so hard. I just, I just want to become a partner in this company. Maybe for you, I just want to get into this school. I just want to get my degree and get into that career. That's all I want. I just, I just want that. That's my singular goal. That's my singular purpose. Maybe for you, it's just, I just want this particular type of body. I just want to look this certain way. I just want to be this certain person. If I could just have that. And yet, look at what Jesus says. Look what he says. Look at your Bible. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And forfeits his soul. Jesus says if you gain everything you could possibly gain in this life. And yet you lose your soul. You have lost everything. If you get everything you could possibly ever desire in this life. And yet you lose your soul. You have lost everything. As you know the soul is that innermost portion of your being. It is truly who you are. It is the most important part of your being. Your soul will go on to live forever. Your, your body will die, but your soul will live on forever. Please, please, please take seriously what Jesus is saying. Because with your soul, you can experience eternal joy in heaven. But likewise, with your soul, you can experience eternal torment away from God. We're speaking of things of eternal proportions. This is so serious. This is so serious of what Jesus is saying. Your soul is worth more than anything in this world worth more than anything you could ever put your mind to as the desire of your life. Your soul is worth more. Nothing compares to the worth of your soul. That's what Jesus is saying. Nothing compares to the worth of your soul. So you must tread cautiously. You must choose wisely. Would you willingly and knowingly trade your soul for things that will have no value when all is said and done? Truly ask yourself this question. Would you willingly, willingly trade your soul for things that will not last, things that will not last in this life, paying off the mortgage, getting into school, retiring at a certain age, all of that fails and pales in comparison to the worth of Jesus. It's hard to follow him, but it's so worth it because when you follow him, your soul will never be lost. Your soul can never be lost. Your soul will never be pried away from the hands of the Savior. Your soul is with God and it will be with him forever. It's so hard to follow Jesus, but it's so worth it. 
on the screen for you a quote by Jim Elliott, a missionary who was killed on the mission field, who literally paid the price for following Jesus. Jim Elliott says this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Read that slowly. Read that slowly. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. Everything in this world, everything in this world, no matter what it is, you die, it doesn't go in the casket with you. You won't have it in the life to come. You die, it's gone. Jesus comes and it's gone. He says he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Nothing in this life can go with you, but the life to come, you will have everything which is in Jesus. All spiritual blessings found in Jesus, they will be yours. In fact, Jesus himself will be yours. You will be with him forever. That is truly the longing of all of our souls. I encourage you, put your eyes on this. Fix your eyes on this, this eternal reality. Don't allow the things of this life to distract you. Don't allow the things of this life to bring you down, to slow you down. Whatever needs to be laid aside in order to pursue and follow Jesus, it's worth it. It's worth it. This verse on the screen again, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. John speaking, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If, anything loves, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the things you want, the desires of your flesh, the, the, uh, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, covetousness, coveting things, wanting things. And then he says the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, being prideful in your life, being prideful of the things you have. What does he say? It's not from, God, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. What does he say about the world? And the world is passing away. It won't last, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Church, hear the warning of Scripture. Value everything in your life with the value it will have in eternity. Value everything in your life with the value it will have in eternity. Do not compromise your soul for the here and now. Do not compromise your soul for the here and now. The, the rich young ruler came to Jesus saying, I want to follow you. Jesus said to him, sell all you have and follow me. The young man walked away because he had too much. In fact, what he had owned him. And he said, I can't do it. He walked away sorrowful. He could not give away what he had to come and follow Jesus. You know the parable of the fool. The parable of the fool in Luke. Luke chapter 12. The man's building up his riches. He has so much riches. He wants to build more and more storehouses for his riches. God speaks to him and says, you fool. Today your soul is required of you. And all those things you stored up for yourself, what's going to happen to them? The cost is so high, but the worth, the worth is there. The worth of Jesus, it's worth it. It's worth it to follow Jesus. It will cost you everything, but he's worth it. He's worth it. Look lastly at what Jesus says in verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So Jesus has explained to us if you give up your life, you'll gain it. I'll gain true life in Jesus. And then he says, nothing is worth more than your soul, so, so don't live for the here and now. Live for 
eternally live for what's eternally of value, which is living for Jesus, which is following Jesus. And then now he says, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now Jesus says, you need to follow me. You need to walk after me. You, have to, you need to come after me. You need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Finally, for this reason, because I'm coming back to repay. I'm coming back to repay. I encourage you, take the words of Jesus Christ seriously. Day by day, we're living. People, people are aging. We're, we're living our lives. And yet, do you know each moment each second, each time the clock ticks, we are getting closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each hour, each day, each month, each year, we are getting closer to the return of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of the Jesus Christ, that should be the greatest thing you've heard all day. Jesus Christ, your Savior. The one who came as a babe. I have children. I have my wife and I. We have these two little wonderful daughters. They're so precious. They're so cute. When they came into the world, they're like, oh, man, you're so, you're so helpless. You're so helpless and cute. I love you. You just, you just hold them. You hug them. Jesus came like that the first time, and it was, it was sort of passed over. Not many people knew he, he came that first time. But the second time Jesus comes... You won't miss it. We will all know that Jesus has arrived, that he has returned. And he's coming for his church. He's coming for you. If you have denied yourself, if you have taken up your cross, if you have chosen to follow him, he's coming for you to reward you. To reward you for all that you have endured in this life. For all the hardship that you have labored under in this life, he's coming to bless and to bring you to be with him and his eternal kingdom forever. It's so worth it to follow him. This is the goodness of Jesus, that not only does he die for you to save you from your sins, but he comes now to bring you into your rest, into his rest, to bring you into his kingdom, so that you might be with him forever so that you might experience eternal joy, unending joy, unending satisfaction, unending life in him forever. It is so worth it to follow Jesus. Christ follower here today, hang in there. Persevere, endure. It's hard. It's so hard. It costs us everything. It's difficult, but keep going. The day is coming where you will receive the crown, the wages of your Effort and striving and pain and even your death, if need be, the day is coming when the king will reward you. The first century Christ followers, they had a saying that they would say to one another. You and I, we say goodbye, hello. The, the Christ, follower, Christ followers used to say Maranatha. Maranatha to one another. The word Maranatha means the coming of the Lord is soon. Jesus is coming. It means that Jesus is coming. He's coming so soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Maybe that's what we need to start saying to one another. When we greet one another, Maranatha, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming. 
Another second closer to the coming of the Lord. Another second, another second closer to the glory that's yours and ours together. Maranatha, keep reminding yourself. Keep reminding yourself. Don't lose that eternal vision. Look past this life. Look into the life to come. He's coming. He's coming. Guaranteed he's coming. He's a man. He's a God of his word. Jesus Christ is coming. It's worth it to follow him. Likewise, remember what Jesus said. He said he's coming to repay according to what each person has done. For the person who refuses to follow Jesus, know that he's not coming to take you. He's coming to wage war against you. You see, this is where the call to follow Jesus moves from simply being an option to being the only option. This is where the call of following Jesus becomes an ultimatum. Bow now or forcibly bow later. Because Jesus came, first of all, as a babe, but now when he returns, the second time he's coming as a king. He suffered once for all. He's never going to suffer again. The lamb that was slain will never suffer again. He's coming back the second time as a king. And he demands, he demands for all that he's endured, for all that he's done, he demands every knee should bow to him. And he calls for every soul to follow him. The call of Jesus is to follow him now because when he comes on that day to repay, the person who has refused to follow Jesus will know his justice, his judgment, and his fury against sin. I encourage you right now, if you do not know Jesus Christ, if what you're hearing right now is something that you do not hold to, I encourage you with everything I have, believe in Jesus Christ. Count the cost. Take up your cross, deny yourself, follow him, ultimately because he's your savior, because he loves you. He died and rose again to redeem you, and he's coming. You find true life in him. Your soul will be found with him. You will never lose your soul, and when he comes, you will not have to fear. You will receive reward, reward, and reward. You will know his love and his joy. It's so worth it, isn't it? Isn't it so worth it to follow Jesus? Isn't it so worth it? It costs everything, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Jesus Christ really is worth everything we could possibly give, everything we possibly are, everything we have. He's worth all of it. Consider the life you're living. Are you prepared for the return of Jesus? Are you ready to see your Savior? Are you ready because that day is coming so soon? Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Savior of your soul, the lover of this church. He says to each of us today, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to come after me, the price is so high. The cost is more than you realize. But it's worth it. Because I am worth it. That's what he says. Because I am worth it. I pray you hear that today. And you respond. And say, yes, I will follow you, Jesus. I will pay the price. I will come after you. You are worth it. Let's pray together. Lord God, we worship you right now. We thank you for who you are, Jesus. Again, we look to you, the creator and sustainer of all life, the redeemer. You are everything. You are all to us. 
God, would you help us as your people to truly see you for who and what you are, for all that you've done. Because when we have our eyes on Jesus, we realize you are worthy. You're worthy of our life. You're worthy of our life, God. You're worthy of everything. All the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and face, God. In light of you, everything becomes so small, becomes so little. And the cost and the price to pay to follow you is well worth it, Lord. God, we love you and we praise you right now. We ask in Jesus' name, enable us to live this out. Enable us to truly see you for who you are and to count everything as loss for the sake of Christ. Help us now, even as we sing in response, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.